everybody. Welcome to Revival Town Podcast. I'm Chuck Tate. That's Andy King. Chuck Tate, how's it going, mate? It's good. We're back in the room. I know. It's been Feels ages. good. For those who uh, may listen or watch, uh, you may have seen the last few episodes where it was the COVID editions. Because my daughter had COVID and I didn't want, in case I got it, didn't want to give it to you. And then uh, I actually had it. uh, Oh, it's been several weeks ago now. Yeah. 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 And then obviously we had some winter storms at the same time as we were recording uh, via Zoom. So it was good we did it that way anyway. Yeah. In fact, the only time we've been in the studio was for our Christmas elf episode. With Dave. (laughs) Dave Jane, Dave Jane, on his throne of lies. Oh, if (laughs) and if you are tuning in for the first time and you want to be like, well, what's all this podcast about? Uh, Just check out the Christmas special with Dave Jane. Uh, He is a local pastor, English friend of mine, uh, and we had a blast, didn't we? We really do. Yeah, so uh, you got to check it out just to see what he was wearing that day, (laughs) right? Well, <laughs> speaking of what he was wearing, what are you going to be wearing Sunday night for the Super Bowl? Um, anything that is not connected with Taylor Swift. Need, oh, <laughs> shake it off. Shake it off. Come on, look baby. Shake you, it. So, yeah, in fact, our guest today, we ask her who she's rooting for, but we're going to let her answer. Yeah. But who are you rooting for? You, so are you, are you for the 49ers then? To be honest, I do like the Chiefs, but one of my friends is a a diehard Chiefs fan. They are playing, right? The Chiefs. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, this is American football. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, the Chiefs. I'm I'm really, uh, yeah, I like Mahomes. He's good. Okay, all right. Who are you going for? So, you know what? Um, At the end of the day, I don't care. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I'm for Usher. No, um, I, I, at the end of the day, I, um, you know, I actually do like the Chiefs. Yeah. And did you know that Patrick Mahomes, what, he's only been in the NFL now, what, a few years, he's still young. Yeah. That he has been in the AFC Championship every single year. Since since he's been? Since he's been in the league. Not the uh, Super Bowl, but the AFC Championship. Yeah. Every single yeah, I mean that's remarkable. Yeah, you know, yeah. Um, obviously there there's comparisons to Brady, but he has a long ways to go before he wins seven Super Bowls. Yeah. But I do like them and the you know the Travis Kelsey thing and the Taylor Swift thing. It, you know, I don't have a problem with the Taylor Swift thing. I think it's it's fun. Um, she's generated over three hundred and thirty million dollars for the NFL. That's, that's crazy. Just by her her presence. So people get, I'm tired of seeing her. Well, you know what? The NFL's not because she's making the money. Yeah. yeah. So, um, but anyway, um, I think it's fun. Yeah. But uh, in fact, I would I would love to, do you think she'll sneak out during the Super Bowl? Uh, I think they're, Usher's going to have her sneak out and do something? No. No, but you know, with the 49ers, let me say this about them. So I grew up hating the 49ers because I'm a Cowboys fan. But um, I honestly, I like Purdy. Uh, he's a. I have no idea who he's the quarterback. About. He's okay. A, yeah. <laughs> yeah. He. he um, Is that the guy who throws the ball? So yeah. So Brock Purdy. But anyway, um, he's qu- quarterback. Yeah. He yeah. Throws the throws. ball. Okay. Yes. Okay. Um, he doesn't Does anyone... kick it. He doesn't kick it. He throws it. Well, right. you'd think someone would kick it, but it's called foot 
ball. Yeah, well, someone does kick it, but it's not him. Every every <laughs> so every uh, twenty minutes. Yeah. Well, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's a believer, and he's a cool story. Oh. And there's a lot of there's been a lot of people that have been um, throwing shade at him, and he, you know, there's I, he's I think he's been remarkable. I yeah. think he's done a really really good job, and um, you know, if they win, I'll be happy for him. Well, today. We have got someone who is making history herself, I feel. Yeah. Uh, with the way that she is uh, blowing up the internet, and uh, especially with socials. Anyone tell us a little bit about her? So her name is Natalie Runyon. She really doesn't need an introduction just because so many people are familiar with her. And if you're not, you're going to be. She's the author of a USA Today best-selling book called raised to stay she has a new book coming out this fall but raised to stay has done so well i listened to the audible version loved it it's such a great book that will fuel your faith to persevere and not walk away from jesus yeah right even though there's church hurt there's things that happen she's going to help us navigate all that and it's going to be good yeah so why don't you sit back and relax and enjoy this conversation with natalie this podcast is part of the edify podcast network edify is a faith inspiring app that brings together thousands of the best christian podcasts in one place for your listening enjoyment cut through the noise and grow your faith by diving into the world's top christian podcasts today Download the Edify app for free from the App Store or Google Play or by going to edify.app. That's E-D-I-F-I dot app. All right, everyone, it's time for another conversation on Revival Town Podcast. Our guest today, Natalie Runyon, is an author, speaker, worship leader, songwriter, and the founder of Raise to Stay. I'm sure you are familiar with those black boxes, Raise to Stay, a ministry for those raised in the church who are finding their own healing, calling, and voice in church leadership. Natalie is the host of the Raise to Stay podcast and the author of a best-selling book entitled Raise to Stay, Persevering in Ministry When You Have a Million Reasons to Walk Away. And Natalie, we're so glad you did walk away. Welcome to Revival Town. Hey guys, thanks for having me. Yes, well this has been cool, exciting to um, just watch your journey and all the black boxes and then the book and now you're working on your second one and we're just honored to have you on. Natalie, it's great, great to have you with us and I want to clarify for people who maybe listening going what is chuck talking about the black boxes <laughs> like is she in trouble and <laughs> she's got a black box or something um no that, that <laughs> um you uh have creatively been able to really make these one-line quotes uh on social media that have blown up and uh they're normally in a black box with the the, the writing and you see them all over the internet and uh we appreciate you just for taking the time to do that alone for people right. who uh, may be struggling, maybe going through some stuff and need a little bit of encouragement. But uh, yeah, that, that the black boxes, we see them everywhere in a good way. So yes, yes. thank you. Yeah, the, the black boxes were something that I didn't think about when I started writing on social media. It was really just the first 
kind of Canva uh, description or whatever that I saw. And so I just started doing that. And then I wanted consistency, but I'm not like a black and white person. Like I love color. (laughs) I love everything. And so the black boxes kind of shocked me that that took off. And a friend of mine wrote me a message several years ago. And he said, I think I know why you did the black boxes. I think it's prophetic. And I said, okay. And he said, in airplanes, the only other time we see black boxes in airplanes when the plane is crashing and the yeah. black box records, Whoa. you know, what's happening so that pilots won't make the same mistake again. He said, I think you're writing black boxes prophetically over the church in this season of deconstruction. And so it's just sort of stuck. Wow. wow. That's good. And, and for those that are not on social media or familiar, so on Instagram, you can post one image or up to 10, which is called a carousel. And that's really, really what we're talking about. And obviously, they're not only limited to Instagram, but on on Facebook and, and threads and, and X, which is formerly Twitter, all, all the above. But um, but I love that. Yeah, that's yeah. that's. Um, that, I think that was prophetic. That's cool. Yeah. Natalie, why don't you uh, just give us a little bit of, of your story before we jump into the book and other things. I mean, we have a, a lot of people not just uh, in the U.S., but globally tune in. And so uh, they may not be familiar with Raised to Stay or yourself. Could you just unpack that a little bit? Yeah, you know, I grew up in a pastor's home in the Pentecostal church. And so the entire first part of my life was with church people. And we lived in parsonages. And my entire life was really encompassed by church family. I saw my church family more than I probably saw some of my extended family. And it was my senior year of high school. We walked out a really difficult church hurt. And it changed the trajectory of my life. I went from planning on going to a Christian college to going to a public university, majoring in science. And having my faith really challenged through professors and roommates that didn't know Jesus who are atheists and had to really come to my own understanding of who Jesus was to me, what my faith was, did I believe what I was raised in. And when I graduated, thankfully, I had been part of a ministry called Campus Crusade for Christ, which had been kind of a slow introduction back into ministry as a worship leader and would be bivocational throughout the next 10 years of my adult life in ministry and also working in the marketplace as a teacher in sales. It was really just kind of uh, the Lord being gentle and easing me back in. And then in my late 30s, I ended up going back into full-time ministry and worship, eventually into women's ministry. And it was in that season of this identity crisis of having worship, which had been my kind of like security blanket in ministry taken from me and put into women's ministry, which, you know, I didn't even like women at the time. So I was like, why would they put me? In women's ministry, um, but really wrestling with the Lord. I kind of want to quit. Like, I feel like 40 years in ministry, I'm good. Like, I don't need to keep doing this. I have a degree. And it was in that conversation with the Lord that this phrase, raised to stay, just sort of started to resonate within my spirit. And I started to write towards that on Instagram, where I just every day was writing another black box about why I wasn't going to quit. And before long, we have now 153,000 stayers who are saying, hey, we don't want to quit either. We do, but we're not going to because yeah. of Jesus. And that's Amen. that's really the story. Wow. Yeah. Now, whereabouts are you uh, based? Just so people can get a, a feel for where you're at in the country. 
Yeah, so I was raised in Cincinnati, and now we live in northern Kentucky. So we're right here in the northern Kentucky area and back with our family, and uh, it's it's been really sweet to uh, raise my own stayers. I've got two daughters. My husband and I have been married for 17 years and two girls who are 11 and 15. So I'm in the throes of parenthood, so don't ask me about parenting because <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm going – I'm winging it. <laughs> I think we all did. <laughs> well, Natalie, when, when did the book concept – um, how, how did that um, come into fruition? Like you started writing that, hey, I'm staying. And even though I feel like quitting and all these others came alongside and said, we're staying too. We feel like quitting. I mean, when did it go from a really social media encouragement to this is a book inside of me? Did you always know that? Well, when I was a freshman in college, fresh off my parents getting hurt, I tried to write this book and it was called My Initials Are Not PK. And I wrote a scathing expose. Like I Taylor Swifted everyone, like everyone was being named. I was holding nothing back in this book. And the only organization that I knew about at the time, because it was snail mail, right, was focused on the family. So I sent this thing in like hard copy form to James Dobson, like sign still deliver. Let's publish this bad boy. And thankfully they had enough sense not to. And six months later I get this letter. That's basically a gentle rejection. And at the bottom, somebody had taken time to handwrite your story's not finished yet. And of course I was livid. Like, no, everybody needs to know how bad this is and everything. So fast forward, you know, 20 years later, my family and I move to Colorado Springs for me to take a position there. And that's where the headquarters of Focus on the Family just happens to be. Hmm. And we're house hunting and we pull up to Focus on the Family. And it all came back to me. I hadn't thought about that book in like 15 years. And I felt like the Lord said, we'll finish what we started here. And I didn't know what that meant. I went as worship, you know, but then as I started writing these black boxes and things started to click for other people, I remembered that book and that the Lord really had put a message inside of me and that potentially this could be a healed version of that book that I had tried to write 20 years later. And so someone reached out to me and said, hey, there's somebody that wants to see a proposal of what raised to stay these black boxes could look like in book form. That was in 2021. And two years later, we had a book. And so it really was the Lord's timing. And what's ironic is I actually recorded the audiobook of raised to stay in the basement of Focus on the Family. Oh, man. <laughs> That story really is my, it was my favorite story in, in the book, um, as, as a writer myself and, um, just so inspired by that. You had the rejection letter you got and then coming full circle deck, you know, two decades later is really remarkable how obviously it was instrumental that the Holy Spirit directed that individual to write that note, that personal note, um, on that rejection letter. And now, yeah, here you are. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, let's dig into the book a little bit. Uh, in the book, uh, you describe bru- brutal beauty. Can you um, unpack that a little bit for us? You know, I always say to people that we can only be hurt by people or things that we've loved. And the beautiful part of ministry is that you have this family. You're never alone. I loved the church parsonage. We were at the church all the time. People were always at our house. And there was just this feeling of, wow, I don't ever have to do life alone. And that's the beautiful part that I'm in this community that is committed. It feels very acts. It feels very, you know, beautiful. But then the brutal part of this is that church hurt is like a hurt 
that you can't explain. It's like being stabbed in the back while the person is looking you in the eye because you've done so much life together and you have trusted your heart to somebody in an institution that's supposed to protect you, betrays you. And there's something about that that just feels so indescribable. And so the beautiful part is, man, I'm loved. The brutal part is because I love, I'm going to get hurt and I might hurt others. And so it's just a constant moment of waiting for the other shoe to drop. And I think that that's what causes so many of us to self-preserve is we just don't want to be hurt. Um, but yet we want to experience the beauty. So there's a tension of wanting it and longing for it and then being afraid of it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, That's that's good. good. Well, um, I used to, um, not, not used to, I still joke sometime from time to time, um, with the church that I lead. So I planted a church a little more than 25 years ago. So still the same church, love the people, love the church, grew up in church like you obviously had my moments where I would drive to the edge of town and practice what it felt like to leave, but I never <laughs> did. I always stayed. I'm still here and I'm so glad I did because Andy and I get to do this podcast together, but, um, there are a lot of people that are, are broken. A lot of people that are, are hurt. Church hurt is real. And I know there's been times where I've contributed to that. There's been times where I've been broken. My family's been broken. We've at times felt like we've been chewed up and spit out. But at the church that I lead, we're just surrounded by people that have held up our arms. My wife's gone through some really serious um, medical challenges the last five years. And is coming out of that, but we wouldn't have made it without our church family. And I've heard a lot of, a lot of bad stories, how the church is not supportive. The church is not there, but it's not the case with me. I wouldn't have made it with, without them. So what would you say to those that are listening that they have been hurt um, by the church? And right now, as they're listening, they feel like quitting, but they're giving you a chance to maybe talk them out of it. Well, first of all, church hurt is not for our generation. I mean, Paul talks about it in Corinthians when he's saying, look, I've been lost at sea. I've been lost in the wilderness. I've been robbed. I've forged off, you know, my enemies. He goes on and on. And at the very end of this whole list of how difficult ministry is, he says, I have been betrayed by my enemies and I have been betrayed by my brothers. And he's telling us it's church hurt 101 right there. Like if you pick up your cross and follow Jesus, it's going to be heavy. And there's also going to be betrayal. But then in chapter 13, I believe he goes on to say that he asked the Lord three times to take this thorn from his flesh. And I believe we've all had that moment. Like, Lord, if you just let me do something different, if you let me just quit or leave, this is what I'll do for you. But God's response to Paul is God's exact response to us, which is my grace is sufficient for you for it's in this weakness that you are made strong. And I just believe so much that we have to understand that this is part of this human walk with the Lord. There's going to be disappointment. There's going to be you know, seasons of feeling lost. There's going to be moments where our enemies are going to betray us and our brothers, but God's grace is sufficient for all of us. And it isn't about being loyal to people or to a church, but it's about abiding in Christ, staying with Jesus. And even when people let us down, trusting that God's promises over our lives are yes and amen. And that's really kind of at the end of the day, what has kept me from completely quitting has been that connection to Jesus when my connection with people has been broken. Mm, that's yeah. good. Well, you uh, you definitely talk quite a bit about um, deconstruction. And um, we've had many on 
the podcasts Lisa Childers has been on and a few others that uh, have spoken to this, but obviously this is pretty prevalent at the minute. Do you want to just just talk a little bit about that and um, with the raise to stay conversation, how you guys have, have talked through that, especially because church kids especially see and hear a lot and it's very easy for them to just, I'm just going to walk or I'm going to deconstruct. Yeah, I think, first of all, we don't need to be afraid of deconstruction because deconstruction is not deconversion. You know, just because somebody's deconstructing doesn't mean always that they're leaving their faith. I see deconstruction as an invitation to rebuild something with Jesus. And I think a lot of our parents' generations, generations ahead, they see this word deconstruction and everyone panics. But as humans, we panic when people wander, but Jesus is absolutely okay with our wandering. He's not afraid of that. And so when I was in college and I'm having these atheist professors coming at me, well, why do you believe that? And that's not even like something that's real and a blah, blah, blah. It invited me into this, not deconstruction, but a detangling from some religion that had been placed on me that actually wasn't Jesus, that wasn't the scriptures. And so deconstruction can often oftentimes be a detangling from shame and guilt and religion that Jesus tells us to throw off those things that so easily hold us down. And he even writes, I love the message version that says like, are you tired of religion? Are you weighed down by religion? That is a lot of what I think our generation is doing is saying, look, I don't want to feel some of the stuff religious people have put on me, but I want to rebuild something with Jesus that is going to build a church that Jesus himself would walk into, that my friends can walk into, that introduces them to this Jesus that's loving and kind. So we just can't be afraid of deconstruction. We should start to really question some of the things that have been placed on us that Jesus never put on us. Yeah, and I think as well it's it's the foundation, right? It's what you find with a lot of people who are, are deconstructing. They're, they're not starting with the Bible or Jesus, they're starting with their feelings. And so then you have a completely different view of the world, of the church. Um, you know, I, you, the, you always hear it. Well, I feel that the church has done this, or I feel that the Bible uh, is, is twisted here because it's not for today. And, but yet if they really started with what the Bible says, which is the truth, then it's easier to, to then rebuild, wouldn't you say? Yeah, and I mean, Lisa Bevere writes it beautifully in my foreword that deconstruction with no plan to rebuild is just destruction. And, you know, it's hard to hear that. And and I get a lot of pushback on the Raise This Day uh, page because I say if you deconstruct without any plans to rebuild, I often question, did you even know Jesus to begin with? Mm. Because Uh when you're in relationship with Jesus, you want to be with Jesus and yes. you want to believe his word. And even in our struggles, we're still on that vine. So I, I've often said, look, if you are completely going against everything that you know and that you grew up in, I question if you actually had a relationship with Jesus from the start. And people don't like to hear that, but that's my conviction. Yeah, well, I love to hear it. I, and I'm always waving waving my flag or my, my hanky. <laughs> yes, <laughs> come on. That's because... Obviously, Jesus said, if, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And Christianity is all about a relationship with God through Jesus. And where do we learn about Jesus? Through his word. So if the word of God is not our foundation, it's our foundation. We're going to fall. We're, we're, there's, a, there's a crack. There's trouble ahead. We've got to build on, on the word of God. So I, I love that. I love your bold stance. So, so thank you. 
for, for that. And, you know, you mentioned church hurt, and we look at Paul and that passage where he goes through, it was basically like a, a long country song, <laughs> right? <laughs> All these things that, that happened to him. Um, and that, so he dealt with it. We're, we're dealing with it. However, there is a difference between church hurt and church abuse. There are abusive relationships. There are mm-hmm. abusive shepherds. There are abusive lay leaders. And if we're in a toxic church culture, we do need to get out of that. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, I always say, do not stay where you're not safe. And I and I say this to my friends. Like, if I had a friend who came to me and said, hey, I'm in an abusive marriage, we wouldn't tell them to go home. We would say, hey, we need to get you some help. We need to help you get into a place where you're safe, get your kids safe. And so I say that to people all the time when they give me a description of where they're at church, things that are being said to them. You know, because abuse doesn't necessarily just need to be physical or sexual. It can be spiritual abuse. It can be, you know, under narcissistic, toxic leadership that is causing our spirits to be crushed and our hearts to be broken. And God is not up, up in heaven getting ready to give us longevity awards. Like, good job. Christian, you stayed in an abusive church. That's what I was asking you to do. You know, he's wanting us (laughs) to be safe. He wants his sheep to be safe. And when we're under the care of shepherds who are not protecting the sheep, we are not obligated to stay in that environment. And so you'll hear me all the time tell people the word raised to stay, that phrase doesn't mean stay in toxic, abusive environments, it means to stay with Jesus so that when you have to leave Mm. those toxic environments, you have a relationship with Jesus that will get you hopefully into a healthier community as you're healing and trying to find that space where you're actually safe. Oh, yeah. Let's pause on this a minute because, um, (laughs) because I've grown up in, in church world. Um, my kids have, um, and one of the things that we had always said to our kids, and I think a lot of pastors have a hard time with this, is if you're getting hurt at church, it's okay to go to a different youth group or church, right? Mm-hmm. I think a lot of kids go through what they're going through because of, and I'll just say it, the guilt from mom and dad to stay at the church because they run it. And I think that is an unhealthy thing. Now, there is some things where you want to work through kids' uh, lives to be able to just see what's going on. It may be just something small at the church that you're leading. But I've seen kids like that are, are struggling time after time after time. And if they could only get a, a different group of friends around them or even a, a different leader speaking into their lives then you may not see the fallout down the road right and i i just wanted to to because because that's a touchy subject i mean chuck's a pastor right and uh with the church and um and i know his heart i know that if if there was something going on with his kids then okay let's let we're looking after the kid not not protecting what the images of the church can you talk into that a little bit Yeah. So my dad actually did this for me when I was a junior in high school. Um, I was part of a youth group that was not very healthy. The relationships were toxic. I went to a public high school and was treated better by my non-Christian friends in my own youth group. 
And I went to my dad one day and I said, look, there's an evangelical free church down the street from my high school. All of my Christian friends at school go there. They have a, a missions program. They're, they're letting kids teach and lead worship. I would love the opportunity to maybe try that youth group out. And over time, my dad let me leave our church as a junior in high school to go to this EV free church where they were doing all of this outreach and all of this stuff that I felt called into. And I believe that my dad saved my life spiritually that, that moment, because of course the church was in an uproar that the pastor's daughter was not attending the very church that he he was pastoring. And he told them in a staff meeting, he said, I will bag groceries at Walmart before I let the church hurt my kids. And that has that probably saved my life in a lot of ways because what it did is it put me in an environment where I was learning how to preach the gospel. I was going to Mexico. I was finally part of not a perfect community, but one who didn't see me as the pastor's kid. They saw me as just Natalie. And I think even with my own girls right now, we are actually going to two different churches here in Kentucky. One, because one has a really solid youth group where they're in community with their kids they go to high school with. But the other one, where they're encountering the word of God completely unfiltered, where they're seeing miracle signs and wonders. And so we are making a sacrifice to be in two churches on Sunday mornings so that we can um, meet their need, not coddle them, but meet their need as teenage girls. And and that's just our season right now. And and what you find as well, um, if if you don't do that, right, if if you're like, you're going to let the kids go through church and not enjoy it, what you then find is people know that and so then you get the church bully who is then speaking and saying well you needed you know do you know what your dad or mom could lose if if you go to a different church and and this guilt then comes from the church bully and you see that all the time so i had something similar happen except i was kicked out of a youth group and my dad was on staff at the church. He wasn't the senior pastor. He was on staff. And it was over something really trivial. And I'm not even going to go into it. It was nothing immoral or illegal or anything like that. It was simply um, just a um, uh, disagreement. <laughs> and it, uh, truthfully, I mean, I should have never been kicked out. I mean, I would never, ever um, kick somebody out for something like this. But it's just what happened. They were just like, you know what? You and, and my... My friend Billy, we got kicked out. So uh, it was at a non-traditional um, charismatic church. Like I said, my dad was on staff, and we moved from Arizona to Illinois to be on staff at that church. And now I was kicked out of the youth group, so we walked to an AG church down the road and just started going to a youth group there. And the youth pastor took me, uh, man, took took us in and loved on us, and he began to mentor us and use us, and we began to lead and serve, and he was instrumental in what Bible college I went to, and eventually I was his youth pastor, and, and, my, and I met, actually met my wife at that church, so my life would look much different. I wouldn't be pastoring the church I'm pastoring. I wouldn't be doing this podcast had I not been kicked out of a youth group, so God still used it, but I also had to protect my heart and guard my heart. I didn't hate ministry. I didn't hate that church. I'm still good friends with those people. In the end, it, everything uh, everything worked out. But for those listening right now, and maybe they're in a situation and they don't know, okay, do 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 I leave or or do I stay? What are some things that uh, what are what are some wisdom that you have? Maybe some some insight to help them know whether it's time to leave or it's time to perhaps go down the road to a different church. 
It's so interesting how difficult this decision is. And it's the number one question I get in my Instagram DMs is how do I know when it's time to stay and go? And here's the one thing that I want to encourage you. I have obviously been on a lot of church staff and it's always difficult to make the transition. And I remember calling my dad one day and being like, I just don't know what to do. Like, I I love the church so much. I don't want to hurt anybody. And my dad said, he said, Natalie, are you trying to disobey God? And I'm like, no. And he was like, well, don't you know, God understands that? Like he knows you're wrestling through this. He sees your heart. Like you're not surprising him. He's not up in heaven. Like, oh my goodness, what are they doing? I had no idea they were going to leave that church. And, And it was so freeing to know, like, if my heart is truly to obey the Lord and to honor him, then he will bless. Even if I'm making the wrong decision, he's not going to penalize me. He's not going to punish me. But if I'm feeling that this is like in my heart, the best decision for my family and my heart is pure, my motives are pure, then the Lord is not going to be taken off guard. Secondly, you know, I just think too, that we have to remember that we're not leaving, we're going, that when we choose to go into a new environment, into a new opportunity, a new ministry, it's not because we're taking our toys and going home and we're going to, you know, uh, we're angry or mad. Maybe we are, but the heart behind it is I want to go into a new season, go into a new family, go into a new community and try to uh, protect what needs to be protected, nurture what needs to be nurtured. If it's my kids, if it's my marriage, the church down the street has a program that's going to help me with my addiction or whatever's going on. And so I think if we can see it as not leaving, but we're going into an opportunity with Jesus to grow and to get closer to him, then that's the heart of our, you know, the posture of our hearts. But yeah, if we're going because we're angry or mad, I always say you can't grow in dead soil and you can't take old dirt into new seasons. So it really is important to heal if it is because we're angry or mad or um, offended that we allow the Lord to do the healing work and take some time to heal before trying to go back into a leadership position, you know, where we're serving uh, to, you know, do the hard work of counseling and spiritual direction to get some of that healing that we need so that we can enter a new season whole. Wow. Well, you know, um, and again, it's it's one of those topics that is, it, and we've we've just hit on a hard topic for a lot of pastors, maybe to hear, and and for some pastors' kids saying, "Oh, someone's actually hearing what I'm praying, right? <laughs> like I'm I'm not doing good here. I've, I've got to, um, and and we've we've talked a bit about that. Do you feel that? Um, the culture is changing around all of this or do you feel it's still um a no-no for pastors kids to to speak up really i think it's all i do see a, a difference in denomination and i'll just say that i think that the more denomination that is entrenched in ritual and routine and religion, they have a harder time with this conversation because they still are concerned about numbers, budget. Yeah. Uh, there's kind of a, and I don't mean that to be hateful. I'm just saying that there is kind of this, those are our people. You can't have them or, and I see it when people try to attend a different church, there's all this background chatter of like, well, did you hear so-and-so went to the church down the street? Yeah. And I think it is difficult because pastors, I believe, really do love their people and they really do love their churches. And so to see somebody go can feel really hurtful because I believe they think in their own minds, like we're doing everything we can. Why? And so they can take it personally. I just think that what I'm praying for, for shepherds is that there would be high communication that when they see people going, that they would bless them, that they wouldn't block them, that they would try to have this 
conversation of maybe like just know we're always here for you that there would there would be some sort of even an exit conversation that would let them know their hearts that the door is always open to return and i think it's easy just to kind of say well fine they didn't choose us it's time for them to go i just would like to see the door be able to be a revolving door Mm. for the the sheep to come and go yeah and i i think one of the the phrases that drives me crazy is or, or, or what you hear is it's it's always whoever leaves it's their fault like this <laughs> you, you know what i mean right. it's like yeah they've they've gone they you know they it's their fault or no, you, even you know them too yeah right, right. right. Yeah, plenty yeah, <laughs> but you know what i mean or, yeah. or even the you know i'm thinking of the pastor's kid as well um that may be going to a different youth group or a going to a Sunday night somewhere or something. And even those little comments, even from parents or family members, like, oh, you're going there, or oh, yeah. Like, it may be in jest, but sometimes you know what's behind it. Right. And it's a form of that bullying again. It is, and it really shows the heart of the uh, the congregation. You know, I always say that I don't care if you speak in tongues if you're mean in English. Yeah, you know, we yeah. we have a lot of the the gifts of the Spirit, but we lack fruit. And yeah. what is that fruit? The the church that I'm looking for is a church that bears good fruit, yes. not that necessarily shouts the house down, but that will be patient and long suffering with yeah. me and show me kindness as a pastor's kid and and understand that I'm living a life that they've never lived before and to sit in the tension. Of of that unique role that I have as a pastor's kid. And I think pastor's kids get a bad rap, but I also think that nobody has walked in our shoes before. They don't know what it's like to have all eyes on you and uh, expectations. It's like living in a glass bowl. And so I'm looking for a church that's going to show me their fruit before they show me their gifts. And I think that that's what I'm praying that we can offer this next generation. Uh, That's so good. You know, obviously so many, so many pastor's kids, and so many pastors themselves, um, you know, there are expectations that we haven't agreed to, expectations that people have that that we haven't agreed to. And because um, we have created boundaries in my own family, and I know other pastors listening, and I'm sure you and your family, that's what keeps you healthy. That's what. That's one of the reasons why I have stayed is because we've created boundaries. And Andy grew up in ministry as well. His dad planted a church and pastored his whole life. And um, I think one thing that has helped me, and it's still not easy when somebody leaves and they go to another church down the street or, or whatever. But the one thing I've learned is sometimes God sends people to us, and then sometimes he sends people through us. Like you said, we have to keep that door open it's a revolving door and we've seen people make their way back we just have to guard our heart throughout yeah. all of it yeah make sure that we're not jaded and seasons do happen right so so for some people it's you know a time to step to somewhere else i think the church has got to be cheering them on and realizing that they're not walking away there's a difference between moving on and walking away and um and you know it, this this journey of life is long you, you, you may not be here with a, a church now but five years from now they may come back and be stronger and better and be able to really impact that church like they never would have been able to five years earlier right 
And even as a women's pastor, like when I would lose women, I would think like, oh my goodness, what did I do wrong? And then I realized like, no, but what if everything's right? What if we did our job as shepherds and now they're able to go and we're sending, like we're sending people out into this world better than we found them, better than they got to us. Like I want to be that person's story that's like, man, I was part of this women's ministry for six months or a year and that pastor taught me that I can preach and teach and and lead and I can, I can do this thing. And now I'm so confident in that, that I can go to a different church and not feel like I'm not going to be part. So I just want to be a sending person. I want to be a sending pastor. I, I want to be able to bless and say, hey, may the Lord go with you and be with you. And it was an honor to be part of your story. Yeah, I love that. Well, we thank you for coming on today and, and sharing your story. And we're, we're going to have you pray for our listeners, whether it's somebody who is de- trying to decide whether or not they're supposed to, to leave or stay, perhaps somebody who is deconstructing and they're trying to build their life back up on, on Scripture, or maybe it's a pastor, a lay leader, ministry leader who just needs some hope. But before you pray, I mean, there's a couple phrases um, in your book, hurt and hard, hope and holy. Can you unpack that before you pray? Man, you know, here's the thing. It's like the, you know, you know, the uh, brutal and beautiful thing. It's like there is going to be the hurt in the heart. There is going to be the hurt in the heart. We already know it. And that's what people want to focus on. And look, I get it. Like, it's hard to be hurt. But there is a hope and a holy that's waiting on the other side of that. And we cannot quit before God shows up to make all things new. And I think a lot of us are quitting before the miracle. And the hope and the holy comes when we remain in the hurt and the heart with Jesus and allow him to bring up the beauty from those ashes and just as jesus remained on the cross and there was a resurrection three days later there is a resurrection coming for us the thing that we think is going to kill us is the very thing that is an invitation for god to raise from the dead and so you got to remain to see the resurrection Ah, that's good that's good well natalie would you just uh lead us in prayer i know Boy, there's so much you could pray into of what you've talked about today. And uh, so could you just leave us in, in prayer right now? Yeah. God, we thank you so much, Lord, that you have created us, you knitted us in our mother's womb, Lord, with great purpose to build your kingdom, to expand your kingdom. And what an honor it is that we get to partner with you in this ministry of going and making disciples. God, this partnership means we're not alone, that you didn't just send us out uh, without your Holy Spirit, God, but you have brought us the comforter, the advocate. You have given us everything we need uh, in your spirit, not in our flesh, but by your spirit to accomplish the work that you have set our hands to. And so, God, I pray, Lord, for the weak and the weary, Lord, that they would lift their eyes to you, God, the one who has called them to do the very work that they have started, God, and that you will finish all things that you start, God. So I pray that for the weary, Lord, that they would just feel their hearts strengthened today, their souls lifted and strengthened. God, as you remind them of what they said yes to, and it wasn't a position or a title, but it was to partnering with you in this kingdom work. God, for those deconstructing, Lord, I pray that as they stand in the rubble of religion, God, that they would just be reawakened, Lord, to the beauty of rebuilding with you on a foundation of Jesus, one that is firm and solid, that can't be blown down by the things of this world, Lord, by the storms of the enemy, God, and I pray that they would surround themselves with other builders who can help them reconstruct, God, what it looks like to be built on a foundation made 
um, only of you, Lord. And I, I pray, God, just for the pastors and the pastor's kids who feel overwhelmed by their assignment, Lord, that you would remind them that you have created them for such a time as this, Lord, that what you have called them to, you will equip them to accomplish, God. And I pray for ministries to rise up out of those pastor's kids, Lord, for there to be just a, a flame that is stirred up, God, a gift that is stirred up within us, God, that would just continue to keep us on mission, Lord, of going and making disciples and loving you and loving people above all other things. God, we thank you that you choose us, that you have asked us to be part of what you're doing, God, and we just ask for strength to run this race. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Thank you so much, man. Well, Natalie, I know that there's people that are listening and watching that want to just connect with you. Um, So what is the best way for them to follow anything that you are doing? Well, the Instagram account, Raise to Stay, I call everybody over there my stayers. That's probably our most robust community, and you can get to know people there, lots of comments, uh, lots of new friendships. Um, so definitely on the Instagram, Facebook, Raise to Stay, and then through the book, Raise to Stay on Amazon and wherever you can find books. That's really kind of the, the main source right now. Right. And a USA Today bestseller. Oh. You guys did that. The Stayer community did it. Yeah. That was all you guys. <laughs> well, uh, right at the end of every conversation we have, we do the big three, Natalie, which is three questions that really find out about you. Nothing to do really with what we've been talking about. Uh, and so, Chuck, do you want to start with sure. a question? Sure, I'm ready. All right, go for it. All right, Natalie. I mean, you're trendy and you're um, into the, the music scene, the worship scene, besides being a speaker and, and pastor and all those things. Who inspires you, right? Who, who do you maybe listen to or read? Like, um, yeah, who inspires you? Yeah, well, first of all, from a worship standpoint, I love Jesus Image. Jesus Image is one that is on my playlist when I'm writing, when I'm in the car. So just loving their pure-hearted worship, and they're bringing back some of the songs from my childhood. And so it just this, that nostalgia of just being in church. So Jesus Image for worship. For writers, I love Eugene Peterson. I really love reading his stuff on pastoring and, and things like that. I love his uh, writing in general. And then also Christine Kane. She's just one who's as an entrepreneur uh, with her A21 and the different ministries that she has. I love what she has to say just globally of what's happening in the church. So those are kind of my reading list. Podcast, Sarah Jakes Roberts. Love her, just the way she preaches. Love the way that she delivers the word. And uh, yeah. Right on. Cool. Thank you. Um, so obviously you're in Kentucky now. You work with a lot of people, a lot of churches, Um, If you had a a place to go and live because of a church that is in that city, where would you go? Man, oh man. Well, I will tell you, I really love Jensen Franklin's church in Atlanta, Free Chapel. So that would be an easy yes to be part of what's happening down there. And of course, he has a location in Southern California. So it would, I would, I would go for the Lord to Southern California. (laughs) (laughs) That's funny. Uh, That's good. That's good. All right, Chuck. All right. One. Okay. Well, obviously, you're from Ohio, living in Kentucky. You were in Colorado for a while. Um, my question is who are you rooting for in the Super Bowl, Kansas City or oh. San Francisco? Oh, gosh. Okay. It has to be San Francisco. Okay. So here's what's hard about this. I'm a, so I grew up watching the Bengals, and the 49ers beat my Bengals the last time that we were in the Super Bowl. So I have a 
that really hurts me. But then so did the Chiefs. The Chiefs beat the Bengals like two years ago. So I I really don't want any of them to win. I, <laughs> I, I'm going to watch because I love dips and I love food. So I'm going to be part of the Super Bowl party, but I'll probably be on TikTok the whole time. <laughs> that's good. That's good. Oh, All right. Well, good. well, we just want to thank you for coming on to Revival Town today. This has been great. And uh, uh, you New book coming out soon. Yeah, is that we're gonna, right? We're going to have you back when you have the new book. We got to. Yeah, have it you comes back. out yeah. in September, and I'm hopeful that I'll be able to release title and everything here soon. Ooh, Great. All right. All right. Well, all right. we will have you back on if if you'd come on uh, to talk about that when that is all released. But again, thank you so much for your voice uh, to so many uh, that over the years uh, may not have felt they had a voice, and uh, we want to just thank you for all your work that you're doing uh, with Race to Stay. So thank you for coming on Revival Town today. Thanks for having me, guys. Thank you. We're back. Woo! Oh, that was a good one. It really was. Thank you, Natalie. Yeah, it was great to have her on the podcast. And uh, we know that uh, she has impacted so many. And hopefully from today, um, you can go and tell people about uh, Natalie and the work that she's got going on, which is just incredible. Really is. You know what's next, though? Hey, it's time for Tate and his mate. This is a segment in uh, the podcast where we throw an English word, a phrase, a rhyming cognitive slang. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess so. And, uh, and we throw it at uh, Cockney slang. Cockney slang. Cockney. Yeah. I, I don't ever know. I, I can Co- never you remember. always say Cockney. I always say Cockney, <laughs> but it's Cockney. <laughs> Rhyming Cockney slang. There you go. There you so, go. And hey, a word that's familiar to you and your British friends. Hey, and you know what? We've got to bring this up. Yeah, our friend is there right now. Yeah, so you may have remembered that. Uh, the gentleman that was on the podcast back in, I think it was July of last year, a guy called Roger. He, Roger Skank. Roger Skank, and he had an amazing story um, about not getting onto a helicopter that, that crashed, and it, he could have been in it. He was a lifeguard. Yeah. Airplane. Airplane. Not yeah. a lifeguard. What's, what, what are they called? <laughs> he was in the Coast Guard. Coast Guard. It was an airplane. Yeah, uh, airplane. Yeah. That's yeah. right, yeah. airplane. Uh, amazing story. Check that out if you... Uh, if you didn't hear that story, but he and his wife are just crazy about England. Like they watch English soccer. They watch all the shows like legit good people. Um, and I can share this story. He wouldn't mind. So he did this DNA test um, and come to find out that he has a half sister from England that is alive. She is 78 and through the DNA stuff, they actually connected, and this was a surprise to him, surprise to her. Uh, his dad, surprise was, to his dad. <laughs> his, his dad was in the military many, many, many years ago in the war, and so obviously he met someone over there. Did not know about this, and uh, yeah, so him and his wife, uh, Roger and his wife. Uh, in England, as we speak, yes. meeting the sister and the, yes. and all the family. Yeah, he sent me a forty-one photo. 
He's oh. like, there's even a 41, you know, and it was yeah. pretty cool. A couple, a couple of them. A couple of them. I can't talk. I, I, yeah. By the way, um, for those of you that want to revisit that episode, it is episode 152. 152. 152. Okay, so check that out. Because it is, it is a fun episode. Uh, but yeah, from all of that, they are now in England meeting uh, his family for the first time, which is so absolutely cool crazy right right um so uh this is the this is i'm, I'm gonna do something different to you tate today all right oh, oh are you ready okay. all right I'm okay ready. this isn't a word this is um what is a window tax what is a window tax window tax hmm. this is a this is true this happened but what is window tax And again, we're thinking of something in England. I'm going to say a window tax. Is that a? Is that like um, some type of tax that's, um, I don't know, shopping center, some kind of shopping tax because it's, you know, I don't know, walking walk down the street and seeing all the windows that's, and the stores. A, your, and, your mind is so, really working well. So, uh, is it, it's know. not that, though. Oh, come on. <laughs> 41! <laughs> Okay, this is yeah. this is a true this is true. Back in the sixteen hundreds, sixteen hundreds, right? Yeah, the British government wanted to start taxing the wealthy. So one of the things that they did was anyone that had a house that had ten windows or more, they were taxed per window. They had a window tax. Really? Right. But here's the crazy thing. If you walk around, especially in London, if you walk around London now, there are houses that have got windows that are bricked up. Because they don't want to pay their window they tax. They didn't want to pay the window tax. Wow, so they bricked all these windows up. And so when you walk around London, you yeah. see it. You see that was a wealthy guy that lived there and he took bricks and it looks just like the house, but they've bricked up the window. Okay. Wow. So there you go. Window tax. Window tax. Okay. Is that good? So, it's it's good, but I think I've only. You haven't got any right yeah, yet. I am O for this year. Oh, that's great. That's horrible. That's great. In three years, it's the worst I've done. Yeah. But hey, great episode. We want yeah. to thank our guest, Natalie Runyon, for coming on Revival Town Podcast. Go to Amazon.com or wherever they sell books. Grab Raised to Stay. Yeah, great book. Well, thank you again for listening to Revival Town Podcast today. Make sure you are checking us out on the internet, on all our socials, at Revival Town Podcast. And remember to tell people about it. And uh, again, we will see you next week. Next week. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of Revival Town Podcast. Make sure you're following us on social media and remember to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. For more information, head on over to RevivalTownPodcast.com. Oh,